0: You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Today, we are joined by the editor of Asparez, the Armenian media publication and newspaper that has been around for decades and really a beacon and a voice for the Armenian community from a media standpoint, from a news gathering standpoint, and really telling the stories from the community that have been undertold and really taking the grassroots level into um, shining a light on uh, some of the undertold subjects in the armenian community we are joined by ara khachaturian ara thanks a lot for joining us today
1: uh thank you manuk and thanks for that great introduction however I have to say that we've been around for more than a century. We marked our 111th anniversary this year. So it's more than a few decades.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's why I got into journalism because I was so bad with numbers and bad with math. Every time there was an algebraic equation, I turned the other way. I was actually the kid who had. The los angeles times under my math textbooks in high school during math class because i would rather read the sports page than learn math so yeah. and you know uh you're you're actually a journalism graduate yourself too aren't you
1: yes i am i graduated from northeastern university in fact i was the first uh, i was part of the first class when they opened the journalism school to graduate so when I started uh, journalism school, the school had just opened its journalism department.
0: In Northeastern, that's in Boston, right? Yes, it so, is. So, it is. so where, where were you born?
1: I was born in Iran, and after the revolution, uh, my family went and settled in Boston. Uh, so I essentially grew up in Boston, and after college, I moved to California.
0: Right, and which is pretty much uh, Osprey's has been pretty much the bread and butter of your career, where you've grown as a author, as a as an editor, as a writer yourself too. Uh, when did you start in, uh, at Osparis? Uh
1: In a sense, you're right. It has been. I started at Ospares in 1992. Uh, I left for a brief stint of five months, and then came back in 2006. Five years, sorry and came back in 2006.
0: And you run the newspaper and publication today. Uh, What's the big story that you're working on this week?
1: Uh, Well, this week we're looking forward to tomorrow's elections at the Istanbul Patriarchate. As you know, we have been without a patriarch for almost 10 years. So um, there's an election coming up tomorrow. Uh, Of course, uh, you know, the government of Turkey has its hands all over it, and it has made a lot of people in the community uh, very upset about the infringement of Ankara on uh, this uh, issue. So let's see what happens.
0: Right, and Aspart is, like you mentioned, over 111 years old. I know you guys still come out with the print publication as well, too. Uh, where is the print uh, publication distributed?
1: Uh, we're uh, in print in Armenian five days and one day in English. Uh, our subscription is mainly through uh, mail, uh, and uh it's distributed around stores but on thursdays we have a special glendale edition that is distributed widely and for free around glendale burbank and la Crescenta.
0: right obviously very predominant armenian communities there uh how about the online version uh what is the online version the same as the print do you how do you actually go ahead and differentiate the two entities
1: uh... well certainly first of all let me tell you that osparis was the first armenian newspaper to have a website back in nineteen ninety seven uh... and i was uh, inf- uh... instrumental in launching that and right now we have a very large uh, footprint online and on social media uh, usually uh, I can say that on the Armenian uh, section and it is what comes out in print that is online but in English it's a little bit different the English section is a primarily online publication and while we publish all of our news online not everything makes it into the print edition on Saturday so uh, we are mainly an online publication in English.
0: Right. Uh, I've, uh, I'm have i actually, I have experience in the print world as well myself. Worked at the Glendale News Press back in the day at Yerevan Magazine as an editor. Mm-hmm. Nowadays I write for uh, the Los Angeles Times. Every once in a while I'll, I'll pick up a project for Is because it's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, it doesn't, uh, every story doesn't make print because, uh, there's only so much space that you can allocate for, uh, a physical product. Yeah, how, how exactly. has, yeah. And how has, how has really the, the media industry changed? I mean, you've been really at the center of it say, going back to 1992, like you mentioned, how have you personally experienced this shift in Armenian media yourself?
1: Uh, well, uh, the Armenian media landscape and the larger so-called mainstream media landscape have gone through the same growing pains as uh, you know online uh, the online component has picked up. We're essentially dealing with the same, issues, uh, as far as the print aspect of it, as we see, for example, the New York Times dealing with it or some of the other uh, publications that have had to kind of do cutbacks and print publication and focus more on digital uh, reporting. Uh, we do a lot of that. There are a lot of uh, events, especially in the past couple of weeks, uh, we've done live coverage of the, let's say, the genocide resolution on the House floor, uh, or the efforts that uh, to pass it on the Senate. Uh, we're able to be more flexible and also offer more content digitally that you don't see in print. And so, and of course, because of cost elements, we have to like limit the number of pages that we publish. That's why a lot of what we put out online doesn't get onto the print. This is, again, the English section, uh, where we're able to run stories as they're happening and then do a recap of them in print.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I think just like any other news organization, Armenian news organizations are also caught in that precarious position of reaching that millennial Gen Z audience that uh, really has turned its storytelling uh, news consumption uh, in, in different ways. Uh, how are you kind of also trying to reach these younger audiences uh, in, in new ways?
1: Uh, well, interestingly, our demographics on the English online component skew fairly uh, young. I am surprised at that, too um it's uh, it's important because uh w- we have this uh, mechanism of say Armenian schools and Armenian youth organizations that are encouraging their members and students to uh, keep abreast of uh um, you know uh, Armenian issues via Aspares for example this summer without having uh Uh, you know, established internship program. I had seven interns from various Armenian schools in our community and some from uh, public school calling and wanting to intern. Uh, And that is very encouraging to me that we are um, on the radar of a new generation of readers and uh, hopefully community leaders as well. So Uh, It's encouraging, but uh, we need to work hard on harnessing that uh, uh, demographic in order for them to understand that, uh, you know, when we put something out in Asparez, it comes from uh, various perspectives, because an issue that happens in Armenia might impact the lives of people sitting here in los angeles but we have to bring in perspective we have to add that extra element of explanation of let's say something that has to do with uh, laws in armenia how does that translate why is it important and why are we featuring it so we go that extra step of uh kind of making things more palatable uh for people who are interested in what's happening in Armenia as well as in our community.
0: Right, and um going back on Asparaz's history, it's still owned by ARF, correct?
1: uh it's 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 not an ownership thing we are the publication of the Armenian Revolutionary Federation Western United States we are a 501c3 nonprofit uh as a publication uh under Armenian Media Network um, and uh, yes i mean the newspaper was created 111 years ago in Fresno uh, because the community was growing and there was a need for an outlet where the community could uh a find out what's going on you know around them as far as events as far as issues but also an arena which is what aspares means in English uh for community members to tackle various issues of importance and interest and of course from day 1 We've had that mission of becoming a bridge between our community here and the homeland. Uh, Back in 1908, the homeland had a completely different construct than it does right now, Uh, but uh, we continue that same mission. And uh, I'm very happy to say that in the past several years, our readers have exponentially grown in Armenia as well, because they're looking at us as an alternative source of information and one that reflects the diaspora uh, uh, approach to uh, various uh, events and issues.
0: Right, and Auspades uh, covers stories both from a community standpoint here in Los Angeles, but also from a global perspective mm-hmm. uh from a news gathering standpoint how would you say uh you guys uh tell the tell the news is uh is there like a percentage breakdown uh how would you describe your your news gathering efforts
1: uh, it's not a percentage breakdown every morning when we come in and of course right now it's no longer a morning or evening issue we're we're constantly uh hooked 24/7 uh so we make a determination as to uh what is the most relevant uh subject to focus on on the day because on a given day uh, there could be for example a, a Catholic priest being murdered in Syria the Ar- Armenian genocide resolution being debated in Washington Something happening here in California that is uh, critically important etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. so we come in we kind of swim in this vast ocean of information and as the days go day goes by we uh, we try to flesh it out and kind of see which is more important uh, for example it's critically important for us to talk about what I just mentioned, the Istanbul Patriarchate elections, Uh, not because necessarily who's going to be the patriarch, but certainly the reflection of uh, the growing activism that's happening within the Turkish-Armenian community uh, since Herant Dink and propelled by his assassination Uh, So there is a link to that. Uh, That is why when Garo Pailan came to Los Angeles a couple of years ago, he was greeted as a hero, and I think Aspar has had a lot to do with introducing him as a viable activist on behalf of our national interests in Turkey. Uh, So when he came here, He was also surprised of how well-known he was in various circles, both within the older generation and also when he visited some of the schools in the region, he was kind of taken aback that these students know about him, know about some of the issues uh, that are happening in Turkey. And obviously, the Turkish-Armenian community is critically important to our national agenda because as... Garo Pailan himself has said, uh, we stayed Uh, after the genocide. They're the ones who have kept up the Armenian identity in Turkey and uh, been able to advance some of the issues that uh, we have within the Turkish society and politics.
0: And you mentioned, you know, that's one story You mentioned but you know you've you've been at the helm for over 25 years now what's what's one story that still resonates with you today that you've really been a proud to be at the helm of and it's kind of been a hallmark of your time there
1: uh there have been there have been many but uh i think the role that we played in uh during the actual war in gharapakh where uh... we would be reporting on a daily basis on exactly the various troop movements where they are who uh... advanced who retreated and uh... what not painted a very tangible picture for our readers that they too were engaged in the war on a daily basis and that propelled a very successful movement to uh, create, uh, uh, you know, uh, this uh, affinity toward Artsakh. The understanding that uh, the Artsakh victory uh, should happen and must happen as a uh, national priority, rather than oh, these are some people fighting ten thousand miles away.
0: Right and you you're at, as the editor you're really shaping the story and identifying the stories and making sure they're journalist journalistically up to standards before it ever hits the mm-hmm. hits day uh, did you ever uh, have a hand in writing at the same time in your earlier years
1: Yes, I did. I did. What kind uh, of
0: writing did you take partake in?
1: Uh, well, you know, as the editor, I would do the editorials. I would, uh, you know, oversee the uh, kind of the opinion pieces flowing in and out, as well as doing the daily news writing, as I still do today. Um, so... Uh, it's also very interesting, having been here for so long, that uh, something happens right now and you do have a memory of uh, kind of the genesis of the issue that was, say, 20 years ago or 25 years ago and how you've covered it. And, uh it happened actually recently where we were talking we were writing about something and i went back in our archives and there it was 20 years ago we had covered the issue and we were able to link it to those articles and all of that and hopefully we're in the process of digitizing all of our archives we'll be able to do that on a more regular basis and it gives the reader you know that background and that history Uh, because nothing just happens on its own. I can say one of the uh, more exciting things that uh, I've had to cover was uh, the uh, popular uh, movement in 2018, which saw the uh, regime topple and a new uh, kind of leadership take over in Armenia and how important it is uh, for us as diasporans Uh, to become engaged in that process to make sure that, let's say, for the last, I don't know, 30 years, uh, we've had bad leadership. How can we make sure that this new one uh, stays and is able to implement the changes that will bring about a better Armenia for us?
0: Well, Ada, we're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, I think, one of the more pressing issues today, which is, you know, the state of Armenian media, both domestically and in Armenia, the the country itself, uh, the the proliferation of fake news that also infects that also affects the Armenian community, and uh, as well as how the media has changed in a, in a post Pashinyan world that uh, we all live in as armenians so uh we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll we'll dive into these set of topics as well
1: sounds good
0: you're listening to time out with manu kakopian You're listening to timeout with manu kakopian and back to one to time out with manu kakopian today we are joined by ara khachaturian who is the editor of Aspares. ara thanks a lot for joining us again today and as thank
1: we... you for having me absolutely
0: absolutely and as we were talking about during the first part of the show uh, a lot of uh, the Armenian news has really shifted. The media landscape has shifted. And uh, we're in this new world where the state of media has also shifted, both in America and Armenia. And I know you have a foot in, in both sectors. I wanted to kind of ask you, uh, what is the state of media in Armenia, the country itself, today?
1: Um my personal assessment uh, of this and having worked with uh, armenia news outlets is that i i think the state of armenian uh, the media in armenian or in armenia or the press in armenia is uh really bad uh, to to use a very simple word uh because um the issues of freedom of press, as well as the societal components, which has to do with uh, you know, the system did not change after the collapse of communism. It just uh, took another uh, turn. So because there wasn't a systemic change, and the media, which uh, during communism was funded by the state, Now you have a situation where everyone and their grandmother is starting a media uh, outlet and uh, basically either regurgitating an official press release from the government or adding their own touches that sometimes do not correspond with, with reality. Now that is a phenomenon that we've recently started seeing in the United States uh, with the pro- proliferation of these fake news sites and uh, really partisan uh, you know, p- kind of propaganda. We've been seeing this for the last, I don't know, four or five years maybe. That type of thing has been going on uh, in Armenia, and it makes our task here a little bit difficult because when you – Look at various news sites in Armenia. The same issue is being reported uh, from different perspectives. So you have to kind of weigh all of your uh, options and also contact people on the ground, our our sources on the ground, to be able to uh, get the full picture. It's unfortunate, but it's also the reality of the day that a lot of people get their news from uh, social media and the person who's seeing the headline or actually clicking um, on a link uh, does not necessarily have that uh, you know kind of background or uh, or information to be able to discern which is fact and which isn't and of course something that is uh, you know really out there gets more viral than uh, your usual news that's why i think uh, it's important for the armenian press both here and especially in armenia to kind of uh, you know uh, reform themselves for example there isn't a new york times wall street journal washington post type uh, publication in armenia that can be looked at as you know say the newspapers or record or you know there isn't a news channel like cnn or fox or msnbc that can uh, or the networks that can bring the just the news on it's always uh, so like polarized from various perspectives that are at play on the ground that people on the ground in armenia i don't think have uh, all the information, and they go by whatever they read on Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, or uh, whatever, and that becomes the source of their information. Now, uh, the same happens here; it has a mirror effect here in Los Angeles, where we have a, a diverse community, and those some of those uh, elements kind of pop up in daily conversation and uh it be, it 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 taints the public view of how to view issues uh, more properly and delve into the uh kind of it's a dumbing down of uh news which is unfortunately happening here in the United States that facts don't matter anymore and uh whatever someone says uh, is this, and then people kind of rally either around it or oppose it, or uh, it it creates a, a really um, I'm trying to find the word a, a kind of a hectic society, um, and I think that we have a responsibility in kind of uh, bringing it back to okay, here is a story. These are the facts, and you know. Then there are other opinions you can express on it. You can uh, kind of uh, base your opinion on the facts. So I think it's important both in the U.S. and in Armenia and elsewhere that facts dominate news coverage because if the public isn't informed, or uh, uh, does not trust the source of information. Then, when something real happens, that uh, public is going to be uh, kind of scrambling.
0: Yeah, and, and we, t- we kind of briefly touched upon it earlier. Uh, do you think, obviously, when the the Donald Trump when Donald Trump was elected into president, obviously the whole Russian element to the to the scandal really created this. Proliferation of fake news that you talked about. Looking back at Nikol Pashinyan's uh, run for office and his current seat, do you feel as if the the news coverage was uh, perhaps uh, any different than what it should have been? Um.
1: Uh, well. Th- i mean the the whole situation uh, with the popular movement that brought Pashinyan to power and subsequently the parliamentary elections that took place incidentally a year ago, uh, I think took place in um in a society that was going through some kind of a euphoria. And that euphoria uh, fed into uh, the daily conversation and the daily news reporting Uh, now if i'm a responsible journalist right whether i'm in armenia or in america i will pause and say okay a year has passed since the parliamentary elections what are we anticipating and what are we expecting and sort of call people to task the way that people are being called to task in armenia is uh you know kind of very oh if i see you uh, at a cafe i'll tell you or this issue of you know let's hold protests in front of the uh, you know courthouses which has been going on for 20 some odd years or ministries or whatnot that uh, way of communication uh, does not get anything done uh, in any way. Of course, it's everyone's right to protest and express themselves, but I, need, I think we need to find kind of a common ground where our expression and our opinion uh, are actually producing a discourse and a dialogue that will be beneficial at the end of the day for Armenia.
0: And with um, with that, I mean, we we talked about fake news as well, too. I know around, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and over the holidays, you know, grandma's at the table and the aunts at the table and the uncles are at the table, obviously of a different generation. And uh, you hear it often. I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Facebook and these links and these stories, they they sh- get shared and spread like rampant fire. And sometimes it ends in, o- in my own lap. And when I'm looking at these links and looking at the way these stories are covered, it is clear that um, the it's, it's fake news. And yeah. it, it's also that could be prevalent in the Armenian community as well, too. How do you think uh, we can get ahead of this to make sure that... Uh, we don't fall to the pitfalls from a community standpoint as well.
1: Uh, well, I think you know that's the biggest challenge that is facing us uh, as professionals in the field and also the public. Certainly, I cannot go to the thousands, tens, or hundreds of thousands of people that uh, you know engage in my website and tell them uh what to discern from uh which source because then you know I would be not doing my job but I think the community needs to reach a level of sa- uh, 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 uh a level where they're able to uh understand what is right and what's not I mean we live in a clickbait society Uh, that, you know, these headlines scream at you from your phone or your computer screen, and sometimes as much as you want to not do it, you click on it to see what it is. Uh, But uh, because we have not, especially in Armenia, had this uh, uh, media uh, situation where things are balanced, everyone is... uh, now a reporter all of a sudden Uh, and everyone's uh, perspective on news is uh, you know the fact in in their opinion so it's an it's an important challenge i don't have a a definitive answer of how we can do it but from where i'm sitting i'm going to continue doing what i'm doing which is taking that those extra steps in order to make a news story or an event more palatable to my reader so when they continue reading it they'll understand that i can become a trusted source in this type of reporting and they will defer to me uh... not me per se but ospares uh, for uh... For their news and information uh, so i think by me continuing doing what i'm doing I'm helping in that process, but certainly uh, there has to be a larger uh, effort. There needs to be that sophistication because I've had the conversations that you mentioned that, oh, I read in Facebook that this is happening and I have to constantly tell these people, well, Facebook is not a reliable source of information. It's a social network. Uh, It's like you hearing something when you go to a party yeah, uh, When you hear something sensational when you go to a party, you, you kind of uh, pause and try to uh, analyze it before you come to a conclusion. But for some reason, Facebook and other social media uh, platforms have become, you know, uh, for some, a trusted source of uh, information. And it is not.
0: Yeah, and I think just as journalists and reporters and people who work in the media— Every time you know I hear misinformation being spread, I I make it a point to correct it. So it could, you know, how how you play that game of telephone. If that game of telephone is going to be played, hopefully they can transfer back that information and correct the wrong. So it's it's something that you know I, I think it's uh, a grassroots movement. It's it's has to be taken one step at a time. And the fact that Osbadas has maintained that position. And continues to do what ha- what it, what it is doing is what's going to be critical moving forward. Now, with Ospot as itself, um,
1: if how- I can add something really yeah. quickly in my conversations with uh, younger. Uh, people they're always saying that well you know we're constantly on our phone and we want the news to be uh, kind of short and brief and uh, whatnot and there's some you know social media sites or websites that are popping up that are doing exactly that they're serving the news in headline and very uh, kind of uh, anemic way. Well, they're not doing a service uh, to A, the community, and B, the reader by just You know, putting a headline out there and uh, getting likes. I'm constantly being told that so and so is doing this on Instagram. Why aren't you doing it? I said because my uh, (laughs) my mission is not to uh, you know engage people in likes and uh, uh, what or shares. My mission is to tell the story, and if people. And those people are also doing a certain type of a disservice by uh, kind of simplifying everything and feeding it to people and getting likes and shares from it and all of a sudden becoming like social media sensations. So we need to be careful, uh, and I'm saying that from an Armenian perspective, because our issues are so critically important on Uh, you know, how our nation progresses, how our community develops, how uh, everyone else gets engaged in uh, issues. So, okay, if if from an American perspective that's happening, that's great. But in an Armenian perspective, it crosses a line uh, that uh, is important when you're talking about real issues that impact all of Armenia.
0: So it sounds like, you know, the, the s- small snackable sh- social storytelling components really don't interest you at this point.
1: Uh, if, if they're factually correct, they will interest me. But if they're just out there to, uh, to get a click, then, uh, you know, Sure, people can uh, accumulate clicks and likes and shares and as much as they want, but they're not doing a service per se to uh, people. I mean, the argument is well, they're engaging people who would not be usually engaged, but uh, then there's the big but.
0: Right, well, uh, I guess let's uh, put that back onto ospot is how how big is your team how How big is the staff of, of uh, journalists and reporters that you have internationally? How many correspondents do you have uh, how How is that news gathering process looking like for you guys on a daily basis?
1: Uh, well, there are a couple of things. Our staff is rather small compared to other non-Armenian newspapers we're functioning here with uh, 11 people um, some of whom are on completely on the business end of the uh, operation Uh, so technically in our newsroom there's only a handful of people that work on the news but because for example as I said we're a publication of the ARF Uh, We have a large network of other publications around the world that uh, we look to. Let's say what's happening in Lebanon right now and how it is impacting the Armenian community there. If we were to report on it, we would rely on our colleagues in Beirut who are dealing with that on a daily basis to... Provide us with the proper perspective and the Armenian community perspective that could help define the uh, the issue, certainly we did that uh, you know uh, with the Syrian conflict. there were very brave men and women that, despite the horrific war that was happening, were still putting out news and information that I, sitting in Los Angeles, could rely on and use as a basis to convey to our Syrian-Armenian compatriots who are living in uh, Los Angeles for them to be, A, informed, and B, uh, understand the severity of the situation and be able to act on it. Uh, Same with Armenia. Now, with Armenia, uh, it's a little bit different in that uh, I have personal relationships with people who are uh, within certain activist groups, journalists, etc., etc., and government. Same with Artsakh. So if there's something that I need clarification on, I can simply reach out to them and uh, kind of flesh the issues out and be able to present it that way. Um, I mean, I have to say that obviously technology makes everything easy, uh, easier, uh, but there's also the flip side of technology that uh, it could oversimplify things to a point that uh, you're not getting the understanding that you require from an issue. Right, and uh... and fortunately, I also have i mean everything uh, is about economics i mean we we don't have a huge budget, uh, so uh, the English section, for example, is being run by one and a half people, myself, and i a part- time uh, you know assistant, but fortunately, we have a lot of volunteers, we have a lot of contributors, we have a lot of uh, stringers. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, that help uh, kind of uh, you know add to the uh, picture, uh, bring uh, bring local color uh, <laughs> to uh, to our publication.
0: Right. And you know, with the year uh, at with the calendar at its turn, uh, what's 2020 looking like for you guys? A- any big plans? Any uh, big initiatives that you guys plan on? Actually hitting uh, yeah,
1: on? I mean, uh, I wouldn't be letting the cat out of the bag if I said that we are looking to overhaul our um, kind of online platforms, uh, hopefully with a new website, we're, uh, we're in the development process of a new app, uh, and certainly focusing more on video and uh, all of that. Again, all of those things require... Uh, Uh, money, and we're able to kind of look at some of our supporters to be able to finance those things. It's a small, slow process, but I'm looking at a complete overhaul of our uh, online platforms in 2020. The last time we did that was five years ago, in 2015. So I think we're we're due for a. a it's not a simple facelift. <laughs> yeah, it 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 also is going to impact how we deliver the news and some uh, some kind of changes in uh, content. We are looking. We have already started uh, featuring more video in our coverage. Uh, And possibly doing maybe a a daily uh, kind of a wrap up, uh, uh, you know, on video that will be featured on our social media platforms. But the big story in 2020, certainly here in California, is going to be, I I think, from uh, uh, January to March, the elections uh, here in the United States. Uh, there are many local races that are happening. There are uh, many Armenians that are participating as candidates in the election. Uh, and certainly, again, in March, there are uh, presidential and parliamentary elections in Artsakh. That's what we're going to be uh, focusing on. So the first quarter is going to be a lot about elections, whether it's here or uh, in Artsakh, it's going to be uh, our focal point.
0: Well, it sounds like it's going to be exciting times. I'm, I'm especially excited about the facelift. Uh, you know, we're, we're in Los Angeles, so there's no better place to get a little <laughs> no place to get a little facelift than that. Let's get Dr. Gato Kasabian on the case. I'm sure, I'm sure he can do. I
1: wish it were only a facelift. That's a very <laughs> easy thing. It's it's content management, but I think we'll be able to do it
0: absolutely. And you know, it sounds like it's going to be a very busy news cycle with the elections, like you said. Uh, we'll be looking forward to con- continuing to see Spot as his first-class news coverage of all of the important issues to the Armenian community. And Ara, we can't thank you enough for the great work that you've done throughout the last 25 years, staying at the helm of the publication and really bringing readers uh, first-class coverage. Thank
1: you, Manuk. You have been part of uh, our coverage too, and I appreciate you participating in that every once in a while, and thank you for having me
0: absolutely thank you Ada, and looking forward sure. to seeing all the great stories coming out
1: soon okay thank you and have a good holiday and happy new year thank you likewise to you too all right bye 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 bye
0: you're listening to time out with manu kakopion